I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, your host. I'm grateful to you for tuning in to not only this program, but this radio station. We have big plans today here on KSL News Radio. As you well know, out in New Hampshire, it's the nation's first primary race. The Democrats are facing off against each other in Americans' first opportunity to voice their view directly. I know we had that thing in Iowa, but uh, caucuses are different. In Iowa, they're casting votes. And we, I'm sorry, in New Hampshire, rather, they are casting votes. And here on KSL, we will bring you results and coverage throughout the day. The polls closed in about four hours from right now. That puts uh, the time of results smack dab in the middle of Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news. Be sure you're listening then to get all the information, minute-by-minute coverage. That's what they told me to tell you. Minute by minute. <laughs> we're going to get you everything you need to know later on today here on KSL News Radio. Right now, though, we're going to talk about voting, but we're going to look back uh, away from New Hampshire here in Utah. A piece of legislation caught my eye this morning, and it has to do with Internet voting. HB 292 on the line now is Representative Michael McKell, represents District 66 out in Spanish Fork. Representative, sir, I'm grateful to you for joining us. How are you? I'm fantastic, and thank you for having me on. No, my pleasure. Uh, let me ask you very simply, first off, what are you up to with this bill? Well, what, what this bill does, I mean, the, the short answer is it actually directs the lieutenant governor to study and make recommendations on the feasibility of Internet study, uh, of Internet voting. I just listened to your show. I know you're talking about Iowa. You're talking about New Hampshire. We saw Iowa use an app to vote and when we say internet i do i do mean to include voting with an app and you saw all of the problems they've had i've been down in utah county we've used an app called voter click for years and years and it seems like every year there's a there's a problem and at this point technology is advancing but is it has it advanced enough i i I don't know but to get out in front of that and make sure we we really are responsive i'm asking the lieutenant governor's office to study the feasibility of internet voting this won't you know, and I'll let you ask me some questions. But one of the important things for your, your, for your listeners is this: this recommendation is to be made before October of 2021. This will have no impact on our vote this year, and probably not next year. We we want to start the conversation and look at it. Take it, take it slow. Take a slow approach because we've seen problems in other states. So there, there's pressure to go down that road. But it, as we do, let's let's take a slow, methodical look and make sure it's. Make sure it's safe. Make sure it's appropriate. We've seen some electronic uh, and remote voting in the past. The uh, the Uniformed and Overseas Citizen Absentee Voting Act allows military service members to cast online ballots for uh, both local and 
national elections in accordance with the state's uh, own e-voting laws. How has that worked out, to your knowledge, here in Utah for us so far? I think that's part of what we want we want included in the study. That's something that, that I don't have a lot of information um, right now readily available to me, and that information, I think, is relevant sure. to studying the issue. We certainly have a large contingency of folks that are that are legal Utah residents that don't live in the state of Utah that are overseas. And I think understanding the, those potential risks as well as those potential be- benefits would be helpful to all of us as, as we continue to see pressure to move towards convenience in voting, especially with all of the problems we've seen in, in other states right now, especially Iowa. Let's take a careful look. And, and I think that's a great question that our study can look at. Have you had much uh, coordination or communication, rather, with the lieutenant governors and officers thus far? You know, I have. I have over the years. I, I typically work very closely with them. This this legislation is actually something that Senator Hemmert and, and I are working on. And he asked me to take a look at it and start it started in the House. I, I, I know he's coordinated with, with them, and and I'll continue to coordinate with them. I've got a great relationship with with their office and it, and the lieutenant governor's office and the election office. It, they're you know, they're, they're a good voice on Capitol Hill. They're a voice of reason. They want to be efficient. So I, I, I don't see any any problem moving forward as we as we study the issue. Can I let me ask an ignorant question that just occurred to me uh, when, you know, next year when this study will likely you know if, if it all passes and the study is ordered, it will likely happen under a new governor and a new lieutenant governor. Is the director of elections in the state of Utah, is that a political position or will the current occupant of that position carry over into the next administration? So that's, that's a great question. So by by law, the lieutenant governor oversees the election office. So in, in the next uh, elections in 2021, when this study comes forward, whoever wins the whoever wins the race this year for governor, their lieutenant governor, whoever whoever that is, would would actually manage manage that office. So that study that study would. I mean, again, in, in our language, it says it needs to be done before October 31st of 2021. So it, it's, it's certainly possible that it would be the new lieutenant governor's office uh, through the election office that would be working on that study and bringing it forward before the legislature. And that study, again, is due October of 2021. So even if they came forward with some recommendations, those those recommendations wouldn't be implemented um, until, it, it, you know, at a minimum of 2022 if we found if we found some areas where we could improve. So, you know, we're, we're looking at this early on and trying to get get ahead of ahead of the curve if if we move move forward with some of, some of the technology and some of the changes we're seeing in other states. They're good. We're, we're speaking to Representative Michael McKell. He represents uh, a Republican representing District 66 down in Spanish Fork as a piece of legislation which would call on the lieutenant governor to execute a study regarding Internet voting. Let me ask you, Representative, a final parting question. I get curious about how these issues arise, how, as you are sorting out your own priorities and uh, the needs of your constituents, how did this make it to the top of the stack? So I I just think there's a growing trend right now. Uh, We've got some new technology with blockchain that is um, very promising, and with blockchain, the ability to validate, the, the ability to protect privacy becomes much, much stronger. At the same time, the technology is advanced, in my in my view. We we continue to see problems. I know I've referenced Iowa and kind of the voter click program that we've used in Utah County. You've got some really good advancements at the t- same time, some examples of where it didn't work so well. 
So we really want to make sure we, we get out in front of it in advance because there, there is a push to be more efficient in our election and make sure there's greater availability to the public. But if we do that, let's make sure we understand the cost and what it does to the, to the voter turnout and, uh, just make sure it's done in an appropriate way. Sure. Well, Representative McKell, I'm grateful to you for your time. I'll let you get back to the hard work you're doing up there on Capitol Hill. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. My pleasure. Uh, listen, there's a lot of ground to cover still on today's program. I told you we're going to keep you up to speed on what's transpiring out in New Hampshire. I'm going to make good on that promise uh, right now and let you know that all the candidates are still on the ground there in New Hampshire. We've heard from many of them. We did learn early this morning that Joe Biden will be departing early from New Hampshire. He's going to leave and head over to South Carolina and start what will be his Super Tuesday push. ABC News Radio's Aaron Katursky has a brief report on that move. Joe Biden greeted customers in a donut shop here as his campaign announced he'd be leaving this state for South Carolina. Going down to my supporters to get them moving down in South Carolina. Biden had downplayed expectations for how he'll do here in New Hampshire and has touted South Carolina as a firewall for his candidacy. The Biden campaign made the unusual travel decision as voters were filling out ballots in the nation's first primary. Aaron Katursky, ABC News, Manchester. Polling data right now shows in New Hampshire that Bernie Sanders leads comfortably. 28.7% of support, according to polls. Again, these are not the ballots being cast right down there in New Hampshire. We're waiting until this evening when the polls close at 5 o'clock Utah time. Those results will come here on Jeff Kaplan's Afternoon News. Right now, I've got polling data to share with you. 28.7%. That's leading the pack, uh, and it is Bernie Sanders. And that number I'm sharing with you is a poll of polls. Real Clear Politics uh, coordinates that. They take all of the polling data from various polls around the country, in particular New Hampshire right now. CNN has one. Emerson Suffolk has one. The Boston Globe. They take all of those, and these polls have been conducted over the past few days, and it puts uh, Sanders at the top of the stack right now. 28.7% support. Buttigieg behind him. Uh, mayor Pete, 21.3% behind uh, the mayor. It's Klobuchar, Warren, and Biden. Klobuchar with 11.7% and Warren Biden each enjoying 11% respectively. After that, it trails off into the threes. Yang, Gabbard, Steyer, Patrick, and uh, others in the in the single or no digits at all. Uh, so that's what's going on right now. And uh, Joe Biden, I guess, has read that, interpreted, and decided uh, that I am not going to spend any more time or resources here in New Hampshire. I'm going to make my way out to South Carolina and start that push. I'll point out, in contrast, those New Hampshire numbers, if you compare them to national numbers, it's a different story. Nationally, uh, the Real Clear Politics average poll of polls has, yes, Sanders in the lead with 23% support, uh, but behind him, just behind him, Biden is right there with 20.4%. In the next segment, we're talking about Zion National Park. That's next here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, 
you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.